Welcome to 410 Points, the best podcast on the web for everything Quiz Bowl related. Whether you're a player, a coach, or just trying to improve, we can help you get better. I'm your host, Ken Romeo, and with me as always is my co-coach, Andrew Turiago. Mr. T, how you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, my birthday's in a couple days. Nice. Uh, and uh, Turning the big 1-8. Ex- no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's how it looks, I guess. Uh, but uh, it's better than the 8-1 on your end, but uh, I definitely am excited for nationals. So yeah, we're going to, this, on this episode today, we are going to get into our, uh, our top rankings, top 10 rankings for nationals. Uh, we'll do a little bit of a preview there too. And I, I, you know, Ken, I know you're more of a, a math and spreadsheet and numbers sort of guy, but I have consulted uh, a crystal ball. I'll have you know. I also checked my horoscope the last couple of days, uh, and as a result, uh, you know, I also will have deep opinions about this top ten. You know, it's funny. I'm a Leo, and Leos don't believe mm-hmm. in astrology, so yeah. I never, I never read my horoscope. Typical, typical. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, nationals are a couple of weeks away, and I'm sure you're getting excited about it too. There are a couple of tune-ups uh, as we prepare for nationals and a couple of scores to check. What do you say we do that, Mr. T? Sounds great. It's time to take a look around the country and dive into the tournament results that have been posted. Well, speaking of national championships, the small school national championship tournament was held this past weekend. Uh, NAQT hosted that at uh, the Hyatt Regency O'Hare in Rosemont, Illinois. And in the end, NAQT crowned three champions. So let's congratulate Garfield High School from Garrettville, Ohio, for taking first place in the very small school division. That means that there's fewer than 350 students in the top three grades. The open division champion is St. Mark's School of Texas. They win their second straight and third overall SSNCT Open Division Championship, and their only loss this weekend was to their B team in round 21. St. Mark's B finished third. But the performance of the weekend, Mr. T, goes to Glasgow High School from Glasgow, Kentucky. They win first place in the division for traditional public schools, and Glasgow not only went undefeated, only one match that they played finished within 100 points. Andrew, this is a national championship tournament. Mm-hmm. These are the best small schools from all over the country. And the closest somebody got to Glasgow was 100 points. That was a 420 to 320 defeat of Fairgrove. Glasgow averaged around 550 points per game, which is 150 points more than the next best team. This is Glasgow's fourth SSNCT win as they were champions in 2017, 2018, and 2019. Congratulations to Glasgow High School. Very impressive. Congratulations. Uh, We also have some results from the 2022 Kentucky Middle School State Championship. This was held on April 23rd, 2022, uh, and it was hosted at Samuel V. No Middle School in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Packet it was MS42. Uh, in the finals here, no middle school defeats Maisie A 335 to 320 to win the Kentucky State Championship. Congratulations to them as they have gone back to back after winning states last year. Maisie A finishes second and Maisie B finishes third. Uh, Sri Ram, a Kothakut of Maisie B, was the tournament's leading scorer, averaging just under 70 PPG. Awesome job, Sri Ram. Uh, we also have one other result Williamston A winning the DeWitt Invitational. You know, I'll tell you, uh, Kentucky Quiz Bowl is really, really strong. No Mazik, Winburn. Uh, in the past, schools like Johnson County have been good. Mazik really looks to be the, the best team in the state of Kentucky, but a nice job out of no squeaking out the finals there. Three Living up to their name. Yeah. <laughs> 335, 320. So, uh, Mr. T, you know, we haven't, we haven't had too many podcasts this year. We liked to try to have one a month and, you know, the, the world is what it is. The, the, our schedules are what they are. We really didn't get a chance to, to do too many. But there's a there's a topic that you've been uh, pushing for a while, and uh, I think it's a great idea. So today's topic today, uh, the one we're going to talk about today is about guessing in Quiz Bowl. And I don't know about you, Mr. T. There is nothing more frustrating as a coach. When you're reading a question 
And it, it doesn't bother me so much when our players don't know the answer because they're there to learn. They're they're improving. That's fine. The question is looking for an American poet mm-hmm. and a player who probably should know better. Maybe not not just a, a brand new player, but, you know, one of a, a more seasoned player buzzes in and says Smith. Mm hmm thinking like, well, that's just a common last name, so let's just go with it just on the off chance that it's right. Now, are you with me on that? Like, is that is that as frustrating for you as it is for me? It is pretty frustrating, especially when uh, the uh, the moderator then goes, oh, I'm sorry, the answer was Silverstein. And then they all go, ah, damn. You know, uh, that was my next guess. Uh, and I think one of the things that I uh, that brought this topic to mind specifically was working with our sixth graders. Uh, I noticed that uh, the act of guessing well is something that needs to be taught, needs to be instructed really uh, explicitly. Uh, and I think I have about three tips that will really help people to be better guessers, to uh, be more uh, likely to hit the bullseye when they do guess and to understand when they should guess. So, all right, uh, let's go through them. Here is Mr. T's tip number one. <laughs> Okay, uh, cue the the swoosh as a you know there's a transition across the <laughs> we, screen. We should have had Mrs. Anstis record a voiceover for this. It's too. fine. It's <laughs> fine. Um, so my first tip is uh, listen to clues that can be connected to countries, or listen to clues that can be connected to um, where specifically a person is from. If they're asking for uh, a like. Mr. Romeo used the example of a composer earlier, and I was working with some of our students who are particularly uh, talented at guessing musical composers earlier today, so it's fresh in my mind. If they're asking for a composer or an artist from a particular country like France, and we'll give your moderator the benefit of the doubt and say that they tried their best, you know, getting through the the French pronunciations of a couple of words in the actual uh, question itself. Once you've got a grounding like, okay, this is going to be a French sounding name. This is going to be a French sounding artist, a French sounding composer. Uh, there's no reason that at that point you should guess uh, someone who you know for a fact is not from France or from that country. Um, I see this especially uh, in um, uh, questions that are related to Asian countries or questions that are related to uh, South American countries. There are so many clues and questions that uh, are easy to pick on up on once you know once you know to look for them. Uh, I had a student earlier today who, in answering all of my questions, uh, put a really hard emphasis on you know which South American country uh, his answer was. So it would be Colombia with the you know the thickest accent he could possibly muster as a a young middle schooler, uh, but. Even though he meant it as a joke, that actually is a great way for you to get some additional points. If you're noticing that your moderator is tripping up over certain pronunciations, pay close attention to those pronunciations. The moderator, whether intentionally or not, is giving you a hint uh, by which words they're putting some extra spice on. Uh, So tip number one for me would be uh, if you notice that there is a country or some geography in the actual question, uh, make sure that your answer sounds similar. Make sure that uh, if they're asking for a composer that was Russian, you know, you've got some, uh, you know, some Kovs in there and you've got some uh, some other, you know, Russian sounding person uh, on the tip of your tongue rather than going with a, uh, you know, a neutral answer, uh, which is, you know, just some popular composer that comes to mind. Uh, And I think that that in and of itself is you starting to reach for uh, the connections that will, you know, in the long run, make it much, much more likely for you to get the question right. Uh, It is very often the case that the correct answer, and I would be extremely surprised if for 90% of guesses, uh, if students were allowed, uh, Ken, I think a second and third guess, I think that uh, there would probably almost never be a need to... uh, get past power. If, if students were allowed to, for example, after they uh, buzzed in and neg five, guess again, I think within their second buzz, they would get it uh, a vast majority of the time. Uh, and that just tells us that uh, when you're guessing, you, you really want to narrow down your options and, and you know, aim for the bullseye as closely as you can. 
So, uh, Ken, any thoughts on this? What have you seen when it comes to players frustratingly saying names that are not even close to uh, countries or names that are not even close to, uh, you know, after they talk about uh, three different Spanish cities and this painter uh, who then painted Guernica and they go, well, you know, it's a painter uh, and it's Spanish. It's a Spanish painter, you know. Uh, Smith is the statistically likely to be the name. Yeah, that is a uh, uh, an easy way to lose points. There is a chance, especially if you're talking to sixth graders, they don't have a a database of mm-hmm. Russian composers. Yes. So you know, you and I can can throw out uh, Tchaikovsky, um, uh, Mazursky, you know, some something like that, uh, Prokofiev, and they don't they don't have that, and so. To, to them, guessing Smith and giving no answer is is the same thing. Mm-hmm. But honestly, just give no answer. And mm-hmm. when the when the moderator says it's Prokofiev, write it down, mm-hmm. write it down. And and all you have to do, write Prokofiev, Russian composer, yeah. and you'll know that for next time. Good players are then going to look up and see what Prokofiev wrote, uh, you know, Peter and the Wolf and, and, and everything else. Um, but. At the, at the very least, you know, just just write it down. And it is it is better to say no answer than just to give Smith because mm-hmm. like that that joke died. It's it's <laughs> it's dead. It's over. yeah. It, it, you're not going to be able to hit Smith in any uh, nationals level packets. And it's uh, I think that it, it shows a general uh, lack of, you know, wanting to put in a little bit of extra effort. So. When when usually that little bit of extra effort actually gets you all the way to the answer. Here comes Mr. T's tip number two. Uh, so my second tip is uh, when it comes to questions where you maybe buzzed in a little bit earlier than you expected. Maybe you felt like there was something in the question that really resonated with you. Uh, this tip is pretty straightforward, but it's something that uh, Mrs. Ivy, who we work with, says all the time, uh, is go with your gut. If you're listening to a question and somewhere mysteriously around the fifth or sixth word, uh, there is uh, a name that bubbles to mind and you aren't even 100% sure of why you know that this obscure poet is somehow related to this piece of poetry that they're reading or asking about, uh, my... Uh, genuine advice is to go with it. Uh, it is very likely that something you have read, something you have watched, something you have heard before while listening to quiz bowl questions is pushing you to make that response. And uh, I think it is a natural period of growth in sixth grade, seventh grade, especially uh, for players to negabit as they kind of narrow their window of starting to power uh, down. Uh, but there's a reason that the best players that you've ever played against are able to power so ferociously. I think on the opposite end of, of uh, guessing and saying Smith and not sure, not being sure what to say at all, uh, there are many players who will, after the question, basically admit to being afraid to guess, being afraid to say, you know, I didn't have 100% that it was this person. And so because it wasn't 100%, I was... I didn't want to lock anything in. I didn't want to even give it a shot. Um, And I think there is a sweet spot of uh, being comfortable with taking a shot. Uh, You know, even the best NBA players, I'm not sure what the exact statistic is, but probably would be around maybe 70% to make a three-point shot, I can imagine. Um, And if you you feel you're around that, that ratio to get a question right and power it, I think you should be more than comfortable with taking that shot. Uh, I think it's especially a skill that sixth graders need to work on because the the thing that I'll find and the thing that I have found working with sixth graders is uh, they'll be very quiet. They'll listen to the entire question. They'll consider all their options. And at that point, someone else has already buzzed in. And then once the question is over, uh, they will explain to you how they actually knew it at the power clue. And uh, that is, you know, uh, a really great place to be. But you want to move towards... Uh, towards the center here. It's kind of like um, when you're very consistent in archery, except you're not hitting the target. Like you have a a great cluster of arrows, except they're all, you know, slightly up and to the right of the the bullseye. 
Ken, have you have you observed that in the wild? <clears throat> oh yeah, and and when we talk about practice, practice is the perfect place to find that line between being uh, aggressive, which is good, and being reckless, which is bad. Mm-hmm. And when I I tell kids who who neg in practice, um. You know, like, okay, like that's, that's fine. Now, you know, understands like this clue is kind of setting you up a little bit for one thing and you didn't have all the information you needed. Or when a kid holds on to something and didn't know, and they said, oh, I'm sure like, well, today's the day, today's the day to be aggressive. Today's the day to find out when you can buzz in and when you can't, because when it really matters, you want to have a little bit more confidence in, in how much, you know, and, and what level of uh, certainty, you, you you know the answer to. Like when you said, uh, basketball players shoot seventy percent behind mm-hmm. the three point line. Uh, it's more like thirty percent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, up to thirty five percent. But but your points well taken. You know, like basketball players aren't one hundred percent sure when they shoot a shot, but they feel like, hey, this is what gives my team the best possible chance of succeeding. And that's what you do when you press a buzzer. You're thinking this is what's going to give my team the best possible chance of succeeding. I am seventy five percent sure this is the answer. So I'm going to buzz in and go with it. Yeah, you're 0% to get the answer if you never buzz in at all. That's exactly. a, I think that's a completely original quote, not at all plagiarized <laughs> from Wayne Gretzky. You can or, or, or Michael Scott. Right? Or Michael Scott, yeah. <laughs> uh, you miss 100% of the toss-ups that you don't buzz. Maybe that's our next national shirt. Mr. T's tip number three. So I'm realizing as I go through these that my tip number three is... Uh, surprisingly similar to my tip number one, but it is distinct in 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 one unique way, which is I think that really good players and really good guessers uh, in their minds uh, are able to very firmly hold on to uh, when the moderator says what they're looking for. Uh, I think this is something that sixth graders and seventh graders are starting to develop, but I know for a fact that uh, I see eighth graders very, very rarely make the mistake of saying the book when the moderator asks for the author or uh, naming the play when the moderator is asking for uh, the writer. Um, But I think that one of the things you need to be able to do is as soon as you are um, listening to a question and you hear something like, okay, this poet, everything in your brain at that point, as soon as you hear poet, you're just... I, when I'm playing quiz bowl, I just say like, okay, it's poet. It's a poet. It's a poet. Remember, it's a poet. It's going to be a poet. It's going to be a man. It's going to be a woman. It's going to be a poet. And uh, I think what other players tend to do is get lost in the, in the actual question itself and in the additional clues and things like that. To the point where they say like, I think I've heard this poem before. Or, oh, is that, uh, you know... Um, is that, uh, you know, the mending wall? Is that... Uh, like, oh, good fences make good neighbors. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, I don't remember the name of that poem. And what they're forgetting is, okay, it's asking for the person who wrote this, right? Um, I know one of the things that we work with our players on is actually writing that information down. Like, as the person says, like, uh, emperor, we just ask them to write the word emperor down. Because then there's just a physical piece of evidence that reminds them what it is they're looking for. Um, but I think really good players are able to combine the first rule and the third rule, which is they're listening to something. It says poet. They go, okay, this is going to be a poet. And they get a few more clues and they're starting to think about all their different dots. They have many different poets. You know, I would, if, if you are a player who can name, who can buzz in and confidently say five or six different poets, I would say that puts you ahead of a lot, a lot of people. Um, but then they hear something about Massachusetts, right? Um, I think at that point, having that information of, okay, in, in the first clue, the first hint that I gave you, you're thinking a lot about the geographical location. You're thinking a lot about things like that. Um, like Mrs. Ivy always says, geography is in everything. Um, you know, there's not any strange sounding names in this question to this point, right? I'm not, it's not going to be a, a South American poet or a poet from a country that I, uh, you know, uh, is unexpected. And then they hate you with Massachusetts. You're like, okay, this is uh, an absolute slam dunk. You have uh, the poet and you have Massachusetts. And so, Ken, I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> the Bell of Amherst, 
Oh, okay. Well, if you weren't going to give me the Belle of Amherst, I was still going to go with Emily Dickinson because okay. that's, a, that's a poet from Massachusetts that I'm, I'm familiar with. Exactly. You got it. Uh, I think that that experience of being able to passively hold on to something like, for example, there's an exercise that they do when um, they explain to people how like stress and anxiety builds up where they hand you a lemon and they say, can you hold this? And you're like, of course I can hold one lemon. And they say, great. And they hand you four lemons and they say, can you hold these? And you're like, sure. They're not that heavy, right? It's not that much. And they say, great, here's 15 lemons. Can you hold these? And I think it's the, all of the different pieces that are, um, you're all, you're basically juggling them is what makes like the brain kind of overload a little bit. Uh, it's when people like forget appointments and things like that. And so if you can really firmly hold on to the piece of what is it that the moderator is asking for? And then once you have that access, start to analyze all the information, all the other information kind of lines up behind, okay, they are asking specifically for a painter. They're asking specifically for a book. They're asking specifically for a, uh, you know, a state in the United States. So there's only 50 options. Um, I think that once you can do that in your brain kind of passively, as you're listening to a quizable question, that is when I notice a lot of players start to level up in their guessing because it's a lot more easy to narrow things down once you understand, Hey, there's only about maybe 20 or 30 answers. This could even possibly be right. If they're asking for, you know, uh, a president that was a president in the 19th century, you're like, okay. There's only so many of those, right? Uh, and I think what a lot of players get overwhelmed with is the absolute number of things that it could be. It could be anything. And if it could be anything, it might as well be Smith. Uh, and so I think when you have those uh, very definite uh, things that you can lean on uh, and you have some successful guesses under your belt, uh, that's when players start to get a lot better. Yeah, you know, we talk a lot about connecting dots. And what they're looking for is the first dot. And if you ha if you don't know that, then you're not connecting dots to anything. Hmm. So if they're asking for a president and you miss that and you just start connecting things in 19th century, like and you buzz in with the Civil War, you've totally mm -hmm. missed the point. Mm -hmm. Now, as a reader, I am 100% aware of this and how important it is to know what the question is asking for. So as a reader, I emphasize mm -hmm. this war, blah, blah, blah. And, and I encourage any adults that are listening to this or, or high schoolers, if you, um, if you end up reading in future tournaments, please do the same thing. I know we, we all like get this sense of pride when we read faster than everybody else and we can just speed read. Like, you ever see the commercials for the old micro machines, uh, Andrew? Is that a little bit before no. your time? I don't know what those are. <laughs> I was right. thinking like at the end of my like, prescription, like if it's like, oh, please do not take it. If you have side effects, may cause please. gambling, may cause, you know, uh, that it, it, person reads very, very quickly. So. It, exactly. And uh, we kind of pride ourselves of like, yes, we're the first room done because we read so quickly. But but take the time to at least emphasize what the question is looking for, uh, because not only will uh, like, I, you know, we talked about seasoned players and, and mm -hmm. yes, they they really have been trained to listen for that uh, specifically. But you know, this game isn't just for them. This game is for everybody. And you might have a freshman in the room that hasn't heard a question before or a sixth grader in the room that hasn't heard a question before. And if you emphasize this president you can at least give them a fighting chance to ring in and say something like Lincoln or Washington or Jefferson or Trump or something like that. Mm -hmm. And a certain fraction of the time that is just going to be the answer. Yep. So I actually want to uh, take this in a different direction and talk about when you should guess. Sure. It, because I, I have an issue. It's something that, that like was my strategy when I was in middle school. And I brought to my high school team and I'm trying my best to impose on uh, the Middlesex teams as well. If the moderator finishes the question and no one is ringing in, that is not a time to guess. 
That is not a time to ring in and say Smith, especially ring in and say Smith. Like, let's just let's just put that to bed. You never ring in and say Smith. That is not a time to ring in and just guess a president because all you've done is now limit the choices for the other team. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say let's even, you know, put it down to a, a, you know, a, a simpler example. Let's say you're going through a question and it's a, you know, that the answer is either going to be acid or base and you don't mm -hmm. know which one it is and you ring it and say acid and it's wrong. Well, guess what? Yeah. The, the other team is going to ring it and say base. And now you've just cost yourself 40 points. Now maybe they were going to do that anyway, but if they have been hesitating to ring in, let, let the question go dead. If you, if, if it's, if you really don't know if it's just a 50, 50 chance, I it's, normally it's not worth it. If you have like a 75% chance of, if you're like 75% sure, fine. That's that, that is an educated guess. Go, go right ahead and try it. But if it is not better than 50, 50 at the end of the, uh, of the toss up and no one has rang in yet, let it go dead. Unless you're trailing and you're playing a better team. Okay. In that case, you need to be aggressive and you need to try to get as many points as possible. But if all else is equal, I don't like giving the first random guess after a toss-up is being read. The other side of that is if the other team has already negged or the other team rang in with an incorrect answer, there is absolutely no reason why you should not ring in and guess something. It's free. There's, yeah, it, right. It, it's, it's free. It's, it's only plus EV. There's 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 no possible loss that you could get from just guessing. So we have a strategy on our team where if the other team rings in and eggs, you'll see us with our with our hand gesture saying nobody buzz in. We're not allowed to say that out loud. That's conferring. But with our hand gesture, nobody buzz in. And if somebody knows it, they hold their buzzer up. And that signals to the other team that to their teammates. Rather, I know the answer. There's no reason to guess. I got it. Sometimes, however. It's a tough toss-up, and nobody knows it. At the end of the toss-up, after it's read, and again, the other team's nicked, so now it is in our best interest to, to guess something. If I'm playing on the team, I am going to wait two seconds to see if anybody on my team has a better guess than me. Because if I'm just if I'm just shooting into the dark, right? Half like court we're talking, shot, right? Or like you know, we're 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 firing at a bullseye, and my and I'm blindfolded. I, I'm, I, and I've been spun around and I really have no idea. I just know that they're looking for some, some novel. <laughs> I, I can't even <laughs> identify if it's, if it's British, if it's American, I just know they're looking for some mm -hmm. novel. I'm going to give two seconds to see if anybody has a better guess. And if nobody does, then I'm going to buzz in. And I know that some of you listening are a little hesitant to be the person that buzzes to be the person that buzzes in. But if you're a team captain, that is your job. It is your job to ring in and guess something. It is your job to take the ball for your team and and heave that half court shot. Okay? So if if the toss up is being read, nobody buzzes in and it's a it's a close game, no guess. You have to be like 60 or more percent sure before you ring in and guess. If the other team has already rang in and is wrong and nobody knows it, no one's holding their buzzer up and it's not in anyone's wheelhouse, you know, like, you know, you're, you're, or maybe if it is, maybe it's a literature question and your literature expert really just doesn't know, wait two seconds and then buzz in and guess some novel, some author, some character, something like that. Okay. That's when I think, that's when I think we should be just. You know, hey, uh, Tale of Two Cities. No idea. Mm -hmm. Like, nope. Sorry, we were looking for uh, Bleak yeah. House. Yeah, right. <laughs> the other Dickens that no one else. <clears throat> or, or it wasn't even Dickens. It was just you know, like, okay, <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. But <clears throat> so that, that's that's my two cents on when you should guess. Well, Ken, we've got a lot more than ten cities in this uh, MSNCT 2022 rankings list you sent me. Uh, so let's jump right into this. So this year, NAQT did something very interesting. In the past, 
you had to finish within the top 15% to qualify for nationals. And this year, there was no invitation to qualify teams. It was just an open registration. And I thought that was curious because as I looked to see the teams that had registered, there are a lot of teams that I I think just based on the statistics that I've seen are going to struggle. And that's okay. You know, it's going to be a great experience for them and we're happy to have them. And uh, I think they'll have a great time. Nationals is wonderful for teams of any skill level. Uh, The teams that I've seen playing each other, the camaraderie that exists between students, just the community of quiz bowl players. uh, I am all for making nationals as large an event and as inclusive an event as we can possibly make it. Sure. And I'm sure NAQT is also, they originally had a field of 112 and they expanded it to 144. And as of right now, there are 137 teams and there's nobody on the wait list. And so to me, that, that tells me like, that's why they, open their field up to anybody that wanted to play. So Andrew, I, I, I know that our tournaments this year, the spring tournament that we did in the charter Oak weren't nearly as large as they were in years past. Mm-hmm. And I also noticed that there were a couple of tournaments that we've gone to in the past that just didn't run this year. And I wanted to see if that was the case kind of all over the country. And so here, here are a couple of things that I've found out in the 2018, 2019 season, which is the last year before the world ended (laughs) up until this date, which is we're recording on April 27th as of April 27th, 2018 or 2019, there were 214 tournaments that were listed on the NAQT website. As of today, 2022, 156. That is a drop off of 27%. And, you know, this is how NAQT pays its bills, right? Mm -hmm. With, with tournaments and and entry fees and packets and all that stuff. So that's, that is huge. 27% of the tournaments just Mm -hmm. did not run. Yeah. If you're just using that as a measure of quiz bowl being played, that's 27% less quiz bowl. But, but it goes further than that, Andrew. Here's something else. I, I then looked at five different tournaments that ran both 2018, 2019, and then this school year as well. Starting with ours, the Charter Oak in 2018 had 38 teams. We had two divisions, the Nationals, the Novice, 38 teams altogether. This year, 22. Uh, the Sumner County Middle School Championship in Tennessee in 2019, 18 teams. This year, 14 teams. Okay, so that's a 22% drop off. The Copley Invitational in Ohio in 2018, 48 teams. 20, uh, 2021, 32. That's a 33% drop-off. The Dunbar Bulldog in Kentucky in 2018, 37 teams. This year, 14 teams. Hmm. That's less than half the field. And uh, same thing happens in California, Minnesota, Illinois, all over the place. So not only are there fewer tournaments, there are fewer teams attending the tournaments. And NAQT gets paid based on each team they charge per team for a tournament. Mm -hmm. So they needed to somehow generate enough teams to uh, to come to nationals. And this is this is their way of doing that. Just saying, hey, Mm -hmm. it's open to anybody. And they have 137 teams there. And of those 137, I can guarantee you one of those teams is going to be the best team in the country. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're missing out on, you know, this isn't 137 like Motley Cruz and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, th- no, these are still going to be really good teams. Now there is a, there is a gap between the top teams and the bottom teams, but there is every year. I think it just mm-hmm. might be a little bit more, a little bit larger this year. Mm-hmm. All right, enough of that. Um, let's get into our. We have uh, a top ten that we're going to do, mm-hmm. and then we also are going to do a top five undercard teams, which are mm-hmm. teams with a with a B or a C or a D, or even an E. There's a Green Hilly is coming this year, um, mm-hmm. so we'll we'll get into that too. I'll say, looking at these rankings is uh, looking at that like uh, black and green screen in the Matrix with the numbers and letters just kind of <laughs> cascading down. Uh, I can tell there's a significant amount of uh, uh, 
like deep science, like deep, deep lore that went into this that uh, I can only as a as a mortal uh, hope to one day comprehend. Well, so and would a, you? It, OK, it's a very you, simple formula. Would you interpret these mystic runes for us? That, uh, I, sure. So there's a very simple formula that I use. And that gives me one that spits out one ranking. And then I look at it and I'm like, hmm, yeah, I can't have this team ranked that low. I got to move them up, you know, like th that, that kind of. So there's there's this list is mostly numbers, especially when it gets down to, to teams in the middle and in the bottom that I really don't know much about. There are some teams that are coming. I don't know if they've ever even played in an NQT tournament before. So they are a complete wild card crapshoot. Mm -hmm. But. I, I'm pretty confident about the teams we have at the top. Uh, I'm going to give, um, well, let's say four teams I'm going to give an honorable mention to that didn't quite crack the top 10, mm -hmm. but wouldn't surprise me if they finished in the top 10 uh, or, or even better than that. So first honorable mention goes to California Montessori Orangevale. This is Pranov's team. If you ever played against him, he's a lone wolf. Uh, he is incredibly incredibly good um maybe uh shiva oswald light uh and um so if you walk in and see one kid uh don't think you have it made in the shade he's uh he's gonna give you uh 20 to 24 toss-ups of pain let me tell you um i'm also gonna give honorable mention to middlesex b who uh, <clears throat> yes who if you uh, see us has... in nationals that uh that is the team i will be coaching <laughs> Uh, we will be in good spirits all weekend, and uh, it's one of the the friendliest, happiest, uh, funniest groups of uh, middle schoolers you have ever met. So. And they're also incredibly well-rounded and incredibly strong. Um, and uh, Beckendorf A from Texas, uh, I, I think, has uh, had a great year. I think they're going to make a deep run on Sunday in the playoffs. And uh, Smith A from North Carolina, also honorable mention. They are a perennial powerhouse and nobody I would like to see when I walk into a room. Uh, they they're one of the, the few teams that that strike a little fear uh, <laughs> when, when I when I see them, when we play them. So that those are our those are my four honorable mention. Teams. Even with the, the decrease enrollment, I think any team that has decided to make the decision to come to nationals, uh, even with a year that, you know, a year or two that Quiz Bowl has really been, um, you know, dampened down i think that these kids are going to be in fantastic spirits i think that there is a uh i would be leaning towards saying that there's a fantastic online community that has kind of you know sprung up organically clearly there are not many uh adults who would wade into something like discord and yet there are you know a significant fraction of the middle schoolers there you know reading questions having their own online tournaments uh, really participating in the community of Quiz Bowl. And so I think having this in-person experience for a lot of those uh, kids is going to be super rewarding. And I think they'll surprise us, Ken. Uh, so, Ken, you know, when when people do these lists, uh, they I, I think that uh, there's something about the allure of being in the top 10. So I know that there are going to be a couple people listening to this who are hoping to hear their own team name in the top 10. Uh, and uh, Ken, why don't you start us off with who you believe is the 10th best team in the country. Remember that these teams are uh, on any given day. The way that I like to describe it is if a team is playing at their absolute best, they might beat a team that uh, technically is ranked higher, but maybe is not playing at their absolute best right there. Uh, each team has a peak in a valley. Uh, and so just because you're ranked number five and another team is ranked number nine, that's actually an incredibly close ranking. And that game could definitely go either way. Yeah, I agree. All right. So number 10, uh, the aforementioned Mazik Middle School from Louisville, Kentucky. This team finished second in the States uh, to no middle school. And that uh, was one of their few losses all year. Uh, they lost to Winburn back in November. But uh, but no, they're a really good team. The B team from last year um, made a made a deep run. And it's the same same group of kids. So I have at number 10, Mazik Middle School from Louisville, Kentucky. How about number nine? Number nine. The, 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 you can't see it. There's a graphic that I made. It's a huge, <laughs> you know, silver nine that just cascaded across the screen. But all right. So number nine, I have Harker Middle School from San Jose, California. Uh, Harker 
really hasn't played in many middle school tournaments. They play in a lot of IS uh, and ISA tournaments, which means that they're getting ready for nationals because those are the level of questions. Um, and uh, they, they've just put up really impressive stats all year. Um, so I, I, I'm putting Harker Middle School from San Jose, California at number nine. And uh, if there's a Dracula Middle School, they better watch out. nice okay there's a there's a massive eight bounding across the screen ken all right number eight is chenery middle school from belmont massachusetts let me tell you chenery uh came to the charter oak and it was just he was a it was a lone wolf it was andrew gal playing on his own and uh he he did very well but um, but our teams were a little bit too much for him. And then we saw him again as the year went on. And this this dude just got better and better. And more importantly, he got some teammates, too. So uh, Andrew and and his teammates are poised to make a really, really deep run on Sunday at Nationals. I have Chenery from Belmont, Massachusetts as my number eight team. Uh, I, re- I recognize this number seven team, Ken. Oh, you want to talk about another team that uh, <clears throat> that gives me a little bit of a little bit of a nightmare, and that is Burley Manor A from Ellicott City, Maryland. Uh, Burley Manor A is uh, they have put up some of the most impressive statistics of any team in the country. They average more than twenty five points per bonus on middle middle school sets. Uh, they they power almost half their questions. Um, they are uh, they're very well coached. It's a it's a wonderful feeder program uh, from the elementary school into Burley Manor into the high schools there uh, that, uh, that Eric and, and Sarah see uh, run. So Burley Manor A is my number seven school in the country. Uh, this this number six team. I don't know if there's anything to write home about. But uh, <laughs> well, we don't have to of, because speaking of writing home. Right, because it is home. It's Middlesex A. I have them at number six. Uh, and I, I would have them higher, and I feel like my players are not going to be too happy about this, but I'd have them higher if they were more consistent about their negging and about beating their B team. Um, they are. I, I know how, how good our captains are. I know how good their their support is with, uh, with Roman and Matthew. Um, and they've demonstrated that all year long. They've, they've won... Uh, a lot of really impressive matches. They've um, they've put up incredible numbers, incredible scores. Um, this is probably uh, a team that I, I feel like. I think this is our best team since uh, the team that finished third um, back in 2017. I agree, um, but yeah. I also feel that the competition has gotten a little bit stiffer since then. I, I I agree too, and I think one of the reasons why they're so good is because the the B team pushes them and and makes them better. But I I, I see how hard they work on a daily basis. Um, so while I do have them ranked, <clears throat> while I do have them ranked sixth, um, it would not surprise me if they win it. It really, it, it, I mean, I'd be ecstatic and uh, and and as proud as anything. Um, but it would not surprise me if they win it. And I think that's, I think that's true for, uh, for all of the teams in the top 10. I think they all have a shot, but, uh, but really with, with Middlesex, I don't, I wouldn't surprise me at all if they win it um, be, because they are very well balanced. They are, um, they just, they, they don't leave too many categories on un, uncovered. So, uh, so Middlesex a is my number six ranked team. I'd say the, the A team also has that, that uh, <clears throat> the special secret sauce of, uh, being impressive to watch, uh, I think it's something that even outsiders to Quiz Bowl can start to appreciate as a, a certain number of questions get uh, powered on the, the fifth or sixth word. Uh, whether or not you know who that team is, you find yourself asking, okay, what team is that? Because they're very good. Hmm. Uh, and that's definitely a quality that I see with our A team. Now, number five. All right, so number five, maybe I'm just playing some mind games here, but this is Longfellow A from Falls Church, Virginia. Uh, we've played Longfellow a few times, especially on harder level questions and um, at using them as a measure, measuring stick. They were able to beat us, uh, so that's why I had to rank them in front of us. Um, Eugene has such a wonderful program there. They're always super strong, solid, 
well-balanced, uh, everything, uh, everything you want in a quiz bowl team. Um, could this be the year he finally, they finally win, uh, NAQT's, uh, MSNCT. It very well could be. They are another really, really good team this year. So Longfellow A is my number five team. Let's see, number four, uh, not the dog show. No, this is, uh, this is Westminster A, uh, from down in, uh, down in Georgia, from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Westminster A really caught my attention last year, and and this year they've totally lived up to uh, any hype I might have given them. Um, they, on their bonuses on middle school sets, score nearly 26 points per bonus. Again, they power almost half their questions. Um, they really might be the best team in the country. They finished first at the uh, North by North Gwinnett, first at the Commerce Clause, uh, first at uh, the Georgia State Championship. And when they play good competition at some of the online tournaments, they're right there with with everybody else. So this is a really, really good team um, and uh, and might be one of the last two standing, if not the last one standing. So Westminster A from Atlanta, Georgia, that is my number four team. And there's a there's a massive uh, bronze three. <laughs> scrolling across the screen as we speak you can't see it it's there uh ken tell us about a challenger strawberry park a yeah challenger strawberry park a is my number three team and they could be someone else's number one and i can't really argue with that other than this is what my numbers say my numbers say challenger strawberry park is the uh is the number three team in the country um they actually haven't played too many teams as a complete A team, but when they do, they absolutely dominate. Um, they finished first at the uh, TQBA Howdy Bonanza, second at the TQBA Lone Star, where they lost to Green Hill. Spoiler, they're coming up on the list soon. Um, <clears throat> and uh, no, they, they are um, absolutely completely dominant when they play as a, as a cohesive, uh, a team. So, uh, if you happen to walk into a room and you see strawberry park on the other side, uh, you're in for a, you're for a long match. <laughs> uh, so this next team, you mentioned them. Yes, this is, uh, number two is green Hill, a, uh, from Texas, uh, from Addison, Texas. Um, I'm really looking forward to meeting in person the uh, their, their coach and their players. Uh, I, I've known uh, I've known their coach. He's a, a fan of the show and their players. They they attended our quiz bowl camp a, a couple summers ago, and I'm looking forward to seeing them in person. Hopefully in the finals on Sunday. That would be a great time to see Green Hill A or really late in the day Saturday when we're both uh, seven and zero or something like that. That'd be a great time to see Green Hill A um, because they are just so complete. They're so balanced. Um, uh, their captain Kate is just so calm and, and, and poised. And I remember Andrew, the year we won nationals, we would walk into a room, even in the playoffs, teams would be intimidated. And I can tell you right now, green Hill is not intimidated by anybody. Um, they, uh, they absolutely have a legit shot to win this year. And so I have them ranked number two. And uh, a, a golden number one has descended through the clouds. The clouds have parted. Ken, tell us about your number one team to win All right. NCT this year. So my number one team is Harvest Park. So if, if I were a betting man and I was allowed to bet on uh, middle, middle school quiz bowl, which should not be a thing <clears throat> and isn't, um, I would bet on Harvest Park from Pleasanton, California. They actually were eliminated by our A team last year in in nationals, and uh, but I do have them favored to win this year. That that's my pick. Um, they've dominated early and often this year. Um, they they're the only team whose stats I even when I found they power more than half their questions. And you know if you can't answer questions, it doesn't matter how well you do on bonuses if you don't get to them. So. Um, They've played not only uh, middle school packets where they've averaged over 600 points per game, and that's against teams like Harker and, and Bret Hart, who's another really strong team, and uh, um, Pranov from California, uh, Montessori Orangevale. But they've also played in high school tournaments and averaged over 350 points per game. 
in an IS tournament, you average over 350. Like that is unbelievably impressive because the the canon is so much wider than what we're used to, and 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 the the questions are so much tougher. And so they're still able to put up ridiculous statistics. Uh, I honestly think they are the best team in the country, and they're going to be the ones holding that giant oversized trophy uh, at the end of the day. So Harvest Park from Pleasanton, California. They are my number one ranked team heading into nationals. Now, Mr. T, we have the uh, I, we have the top 10, but uh, one of the other things I like to do, I, I actually do rank all, all 137 teams, um, and I want to go through and I want to give my five, my top five undercard teams because sometimes these teams don't get the, the, the love that they deserve. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, like they, they work all year. They work, they come to just as many practices as the A team. Uh, they, uh, they're up early driving to tournaments, just like the A team is They're They're doing their best to prepare and, you know, they, they deserve a little bit of recognition too. So I have my top five undercard teams, uh, in nationals. So number five, we mentioned Smith a from North Carolina. Number five, I have Smith B from North Carolina. Number four, I have Annunciation Orthodox B from Texas. Number three, we'll stay in Texas. That's Beckendorf B. Number two is Longfellow B. I can't imagine there's going to be a Longfellow team that is not going to uh, compete uh, and and make a run on Sunday. And number one, if I mentioned them before, my honorable mention, you can imagine Middlesex B is my number one undercar team. Uh, I have a feeling they are going to finish in the uh in the at least in the top 20 this year i feel the same way uh so ken this looks to be uh an exciting return to uh to normalcy here i think this is going to be uh more than just an event to cap off the year i think this is going to be the quiz bowl event of the year uh there's going to be a lot of stories to keep out for uh, keep an ear out for there's going to be a a lot of rivalries and teams that maybe have never played uh, in person together. They've only played online and those people are finally going to meet in the flesh. Uh, and I think um, uh, we're going to have a lot of exciting stories coming out of nationals. Yeah, I really can't wait. If you think about the the sixth graders when they were in sixth grade, um, they did not have an, uh, sorry, the eighth graders when they were in sixth grade, uh, that was when the year was cut short. And then last year in seventh grade, it was online. And mm-hmm. so this is it. This is their first chance uh, to, to go and experience it. Now, maybe there, there were some fifth graders that went back in in uh, in May of uh, 2019. But other than that, you're going to have all of these kids that have never been here before and not really know what to expect. And I know there are some teams that have actually never played an in-person tournament before. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is going to be their first their first real uh, chance of doing that. And it's going to be great. It really yeah. is. It's going to be great. And he can... always does such a great job organizing everything. And, like, the moderators, everyone yeah, is so professional. Um, I also want to say as one tip uh, for someone who attends a lot of tournaments, uh, someone who, uh, you know, is, uh, is always thinking about these kinds of small incremental advantages that add up. Uh, remember that nationals is a marathon and not a race. Uh, there are a lot of tournaments that start at uh, 9.30 and end at 2.30 p.m., uh, something like an average school day. And nationals is an entire weekend for a reason. Uh, the things that you eat, the, the amount that you sleep, uh, all of those kinds of things that expend your energy over the entire weekend are things you want to think about. Um, because uh, by Sunday, those teams that are there and focused, uh, they are the ones that have been able to fuel up the entire weekend, make sure not to deplete their reserves. They have just a little bit of energy left. Uh, to absolutely crush and dominate their opponents in the finals. So, yeah. It, and if you are on a team of more than four students, use that as an advantage. If you have substitutes, use it as an advantage to take a mental break. It is, it is going to be really, really taxing. I don't know if, if a lot of you realize that the rounds are timed. You might know that because you read the rules, but the moderators are trained to read very quickly. And so not only are you hanging on every single clue, but now the clues are coming at you rapid fire and that can be very, very taxing. So if you are on a team of five or six, it's okay to say to your coach, I just take me out for the half. I, I just, I just need a half. And then for that half, like, 
play on your phone, draw on a piece of paper, um, just do do something like mindful uh, because you you are going to need mental breaks. Okay. Yeah, when you're in, you're gonna be want to you're gonna want to listen to every single word that the moderator is saying, and uh, especially any buzz phrases. The guys at For Ten Points want to help you answer for fifteen points. Power a question with this episode's buzz phrase. This episode's buzz phrase comes from the 2015 Basque. In a story by this author, Michael insists on fencing off the title Dead Men's Path to appease the government education officer. In his essay, In Image on Africa, this author claimed that Joseph Conrad did not understand the racism on which imperialism sharpened its iron tooth. The question goes on to describe the author's most famous novel, Things Fall Apart, at which point you may know the answer is Chenoa Achebe. If you're a 6th or 7th grader listening to this, you may not be too familiar with Achebe, but he is definitely part of the middle school quiz bowl canon. So let's take a look at the early clues in the question. Dead Men's Path is a short story by Achebe in which Michael Obi is appointed the headmaster of Ndume Central School. He is obsessed with modernizing the culture of the village and thinks the school is the path to do so. When he sees older villagers wandering through the campus, he decides to put up a fence, sticks and barbed wire to keep people out. When he was confronted by a village priest about the sacred nature of the path, quote, the whole life of this village depends on it. Our dead relatives depart by it, and our ancestors visit us by it. But most important, it is the path of children coming in to be born. Mr. Obi smugly replies, quote, the whole purpose of our school is to eradicate just such beliefs as that. Dead men do not require footpaths. The whole idea is just fantastic. Our duty is to teach our children to laugh at such ideas. Unsurprisingly, a few days later, a woman dies while giving birth. The village revolts, destroying the school grounds. Achebe writes, quote, That day, the white supervisor came to inspect the school and wrote a nasty report on the state of the premises seriously about the tribal war situation developing between the school and the village, arising in part from the misguided zeal of the new headmaster. The next part of the question mentions the essay in Image of Africa, Racism in Conrad's Heart of Darkness. This essay is written is a written version of a lecture Achebe gave at UMass at Amherst. The essay can be found in Achebe's collection entitled Hopes and Impediments. Achebe is perturbed by the lack of humanity assigned to the black characters in the novella and is disappointed in how Heart of Darkness has become a staple in curricula the world over. Achebe calls Conrad a thoroughgoing racist, meaning racist in every conceivable way. Achebe acknowledged that Conrad saw and condemned the evil of imperial exploitation, but was strangely unaware of the racism on which it sharpened its iron tooth. So the next time you hear a question about Dead Ben's path or a critique of Conrad concerning race, don't let things fall apart. Buzz in and say Achebe. Nicely said, Ken. I think that there is a uh, a second coming that I want to revisit, nice. which is uh, uh, wishing all the teams out there some good karma. Ken, would you be able to explain what that means rather than good luck? Good karma? Oh, sure. Uh, so, you know, in the end, luck has nothing to do with this. You you want to be able to win because you have more skill than the other team. You want to be faster and know more, uh, to, to quote our friends from Columbia Independent School. And, um, and that comes from the work that you put into it. So um, we don't want luck. We want karma because we know we have outworked everybody. So if if we get what we deserve... We will walk away from the tournament uh, very, very proud of our accomplishments and with a giant trophy. And so uh, with that, we wish all of the teams in our top 10 and all the teams that we've mentioned today good karma going into MSNCT. And we hope to see you in person and uh, put a, a name. Yeah. Could, face to could, many could, of the names. Come by. Come by and say hello. We'd love to love to say hi and um, love, love to love to meet you. All right. And uh, so this has been for 10 points. 
the best podcast on the web for everything Quiz Bowl related. Whether you're a player, a coach, or just trying to improve, hopefully we have helped you get better. Uh, this is Andrew Turiago signing off for Ken Romeo. See you all at Nationals.